welcome to another edition of the Ebibiter podcast. Uh, today we have the big one, and I know it's a little late. Uh, life was pretty busy this week for me, uh, but it is time for the Draft Grades podcast. That's right, I'm getting it out. Uh, it's like week 14 right now, and you're getting the Draft Grade podcast. Um, but I know everybody loves that podcast. It's the most important thing in the world to them. So it doesn't matter when it comes out, everybody's a big fan of it. Um, and one thing I want to ask the audience and get some feedback on is, should I release the draft grades formula before this podcast is over and done with? Should that formula be released to the public, or should it stay secret like it has been? I know a lot of people have kind of wondered and been frustrated sometimes with their grades and and how the they're being graded where where that grade comes from uh, science it obviously comes from science uh, but should I release the actual formula that uh, drives that science so uh, let me know what you think there and uh, yeah let's get into the draft grades is this your fan base after the draft get the truth with a bibiter draft grades we will start with the chiefs and you're gonna have to bear with me because uh i'm not very fresh on these on what happened in the draft um so you know part part of this whole thing is kind of going through what it was like on draft night and and who was moving up where and all that stuff and i just don't remember any of that now that's one of the reasons I would love it if we could draft a little earlier in the day sometimes so I could do the draft grade podcast that night and uh, and then, you know, react to what was happening. But anyway, uh, we'll start with the Chiefs. And they were picking twice in the first round. That's a rarity for the Chiefs. Uh, they were picking at number 8 and number 13. At number 8, they got Raheem Alston at defensive end. This is a speed rusher. Um, decent skills here. He's a 71 overall, normal development trait, and we're sitting here at week 14, and he's only developed to a 72 overall. Um, so that's not working out real great for the Chiefs yet, uh, not at this point. <clears throat> uh, and then at number 13, Jamar Colvin at left tackle. Uh, he was a fairly high, highly rated guy, but also... Normal development trait, which is a killer for... No, wait. Yeah, normal development trait, which is a killer uh, for an offensive lineman, especially a first-round offensive lineman. Uh, he's a 69 overall. Is a very athletic offensive lineman, so hopefully the Chiefs can find a way to use him. Uh, but he's not going to develop a whole lot, especially before this franchise is over. Uh, at defensive end, Max Overstreet. This was in the second round. Probably their best pick, 69 overall, and he has revealed as a superstar now. Um, so that's a great second-round pick there. Uh, he's moved up to 73 overall. So in overall rating, he's already overtaken Raheem Alston, who was, who was the first-round pick. Uh, he's also a little bit faster. Um, so bright future for Max Overstreet there at speed rusher. And then at right tackle, uh, Flack, who's a 70 overall. And then after that, in the fifth round at corner, uh, Kilroy, who's a 57 overall. So a big drop-off there. Uh, we'll look at Flack real quick. Flack is the, or Fleck, 
is the last uh, relevant player that the Chiefs took in this draft, certainly. Uh, he's also a normal development trait and kind of the opposite of the other guy they took, Colvin. Uh, not nearly as athletic, more of a big road grader type of guy. So I don't know what the Chiefs plan to do with all these guys, uh, but there's one good pick with Overstreet and the rest. I, I don't know how they're going to pan out before we're done with this franchise. Uh, and so the Chiefs get a B-. minus. Moving on to the Browns. The Browns picked at number 5 and number 9. And then the last pick in the second round. And then they had a 6th and a 7th round pick. And that's all they had for their draft. Uh, so what do they do with it? They got Ed Whitley at number 5. This is a left guard. And he's a star. He's revealed as a star. Now he's up to 79 overall. Started out at 75 overall. So that's a pretty good pick. Um, I Man, take an offensive lineman that high, they better work out. They better be, at a minimum, a star development trait. Um, and it looks like, you know, they're doing okay here for the Browns. Again, he'll, he'll be in 80 overall before the season's over. Um, so that's going to work okay for him. And then at number nine, they took the other Colvin in this draft class uh, at middle linebacker. Where is he? There he is, Roman Colvin. Uh, and this is going to be a good pick for him. I believe he was actually a safety before they, yeah, when they drafted him, he was a safety. He was the, that's right, he was the Heisman winner. Um, and he's been moved to middle linebacker. 87 speed since he was a safety. He has since revealed as a superstar. He's up to a 74 overall. Uh, so that's working pretty well for the Browns. I got to wonder if a team can run directly at the middle of their defense, uh, how well he's going to hold up taking on blocks. Um, but he'll be a nightmare in coverage uh, for teams that want to try to throw in the middle of the field. Uh, so an interesting strategy there. We'll see how it works. I see He's still number 27 as a middle linebacker. Uh, maybe that needs to be fixed. That might hurt him on the draft grades. I do. When we uh, had to trade for the players that we wanted to pick a few years ago when we had a draft problem, I remember some of those guys, because they got changed to punters before we traded for them, um, some of those guys never got their number changed. So the Chiefs had, I don't know if they still have him, but they had a tackle that was number one. So some, you know, we need to do something about that. Uh, we get guys changing all sorts of things, but not the uh, important things like giving people legal numbers and things like that. So anyway, uh, wh what were we talking about here? Oh, Roman Colvin. Uh, yeah, interesting strategy. I don't know what to think of it really. Uh, but he, uh, in the middle of that defense where he's got great players all around him, he'll probably thrive. Because uh, he'll be able to just run around like crazy. Uh, and then in the second round, McKnight at right guard, uh, 71 overall. So that's pretty solid grade for a rookie offensive lineman. He's a normal development trait. Uh, so I don't know if he's ever going to start necessarily. But an okay second round pick. And then in the sixth round, because I believe they only had one quarterback on the roster, uh, they took uh, Strong at quarterback. Uh, 56 overall, so uh, not the most exciting pick there. Um, just trying to fill out the roster is really what's going on with that pick. And then in the seventh round, 
a uh, really nice value pick here that's going to boost their grade a little bit. Uh, last pick of the draft, Mr. Irrelevant is a 70 overall uh, left guard, Hudson. Um, so that's really a, a nice pick there. Um, and it looks like he's been moved to tackle. Um, so that's just the value that late in the draft really boosts the Browns draft grade. And they get a B. We will move on to the Patriots as I try to get there on my Madden screen. Uh, the Patriots in the first round at number six took Dijon Pickens. Uh, so he's named after Mustard. Uh, and this is a talented guy. Uh, he's an outside linebacker. Uh, 81 speed, 86 acceleration as a speed rusher. Uh, gonna kind of take over for, uh, forgot his name, the guy that they traded away not long ago that was a beast. Uh, I believe he got hurt during the season and missed a lot of games, so that really hurt his development. He has a hidden development trait, is not revealed yet because he missed so many games. And then at running back, they took Spikes. Uh, Kirk Spikes, uh, 93 speed running back, uh, really nice uh, kind of elusive guy. He's actually receiving back. Uh, he also has not revealed yet. He should maybe be playing more uh, on, on that team so he can get uh, better development. But uh, 77 overall started out nice there. Uh, first pick in the second round, they used on Lucas on the offensive line. And he is a 77 overall. And normal development trait. So he has... Uh, not developed hardly at all for the Patriots. That's too bad. Goodson at defensive tackle. Uh, 70 overall. So pretty high overall ratings that the Patriots are piling up here. Did a nice job. He's only a normal development trade as well. And then uh, two safeties. Hicks and Slade uh, were both the third round picks taken back to back. Slade has been moved to middle linebacker, so uh, the Patriots are kind of copycats in that regard. Uh, Slade was a 68 overall free safety. Now he's a 65 overall middle linebacker. Normal development trait. I don't know what the plan is here, got to be honest. He's also 5'11", 204, um, so he's going to have a tough time doing anything, I would think. Um, and middle linebacker, but uh, maybe the Patriots have a plan. Uh, Nash Slate, so we've got a Slade and a Slate, both rookie linebackers uh, for the Patriots is another one they took later. He's a 65 overall. And Hicks, got to find Hicks and see what he's up to. So, okay. <laughs> uh, Josh Hicks, rookie strong safety, taken in the third round by the Patriots. Um was a 68, 68 overall strong safety. He's also been moved to middle linebacker. Uh, he's 5'10", 220, so he's bigger than the other guy. Uh, 91 speed, so that's fast linebacker, but he's also a normal development trait. And I don't know what he's going to do when people run right at him, uh, just like all these other guys that were moved to middle backer. So, yeah, a big trend going on in the league now, uh, for a few teams anyway of them taking safeties, moving them to middle linebacker. We'll see how it works. 
and uh, see if those guys are full-time starters or if they just play in kind of sub-packages. Moving on to the Panthers, who were picking at number two and number three. Uh, number two pick, Alonzo Arnold. At left tackle, 77 overall offensive lineman and hidden. So that is a tremendous pick right there. That guy will be a stud. Uh, only disappointing part for the Panthers is that uh, they can't see his whole career here. It'll just be a couple of years. Uh, if he ought to have a whole career, he might reach 99 overall and be one of the best tackles ever. Uh, at right end, Dave McBride, he's a 77 overall as well. They've moved him to outside backer. Uh, he has revealed as a star, uh, so a pass rusher for that 3-4 defense there. And at middle linebacker in the second round, uh, they took Bassey, Luke Bassey, 66 overall uh, to start off with. He is a hidden development trait guy. He is still not revealed, so I, I don't know if he's been playing as much as he maybe should. Uh, 79 speed, so that may not be the kind of speed that the Panthers are looking for, but still a guy that's got a lot of potential. And then at right tackle, Whitfield. Terrell Whitfield. Uh, as a rookie, he's a 72 overall. Uh, normal development trait. Decent pick there. He can be depth and perhaps trade bait. Uh, and then a fullback in the fourth round, uh, Kirkpatrick. And I believe he was hidden. No, he was not. He's a normal. Uh, but really good blocking fullback or utility fullback here. Uh, for the Panthers, maybe drafted a little high, um, but overall pretty good draft class. Arnold is, is an exceptional draft pick, um, and the rest of them are, are solid. The Panthers get a B. And lastly, did I even give the Patriots a draft grade? Patriots got a B minus, if you guys don't remember that. Um, and then lastly, Moving on to the Packers, uh, with the first pick, Gil Bartow at corner, uh, and he has been playing all over the defensive backfield uh, for the Packers so far, and he became a superstar, uh, so really nice pick there, uh, 95 speed, 91 acceleration, 92 agility, he's a big guy, um, Good with play recognition. He can tackle. Um, you know, disappointing. We won't get to see his whole career. Um, but it's a good pick for the Packers. And then maybe the stunner of the draft. I don't know. Uh, Cole Paul at quarterback. Uh, 75 overall. Hidden quarterback. And they moved on from what's his name. Uh, that's how memorable he was after his rookie year. And they're going with Cole Paul at quarterback. Really strong arm quarterback. Uh, he has since revealed as a star. Uh, hoping he develops a little bit past that this year. Um, but it's a pretty good pick there for the Packers. In the second round, Preston Kirkpatrick at receiver. This is a big receiver. I think he's 6'5", 90 speed, starting out at 69 overall. Uh, he has moved up to star on his development trait. Uh, he could develop pretty well. That's a good pick. Uh, Stoudemire at left guard, 
68 overall. Normal development trait, so a little disappointing there. Uh, Wade Cooper at middle linebacker, 66 overall. Uh, they needed depth at that position. That's a good pick. And then Fields at left tackle, 65 overall. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, did they do anything else interesting? Not really. Uh, drafted a punter later. Uh, Deshaun Beasley, a fast receiver. They got him later in the draft. He'll play a little bit. Um, so, you know, two big headliners for the Packers draft. And then the rest, uh, kind of boring. The Packers get an A. Game recaps. We had a bunch of games in the first part of this season, and we cranked through them pretty fast, but to be honest, I don't remember them very well, uh, and I'm not going to recap them very thoroughly, and I don't know how, how many of them I watched in the first place. Uh, week one, the defending champion Browns on Thursday Night Football uh, played the Patriots. The Browns won 56-28. I don't know if I saw that game. Uh, looks like the Browns really blew them out. Uh, I guess I'll look at the box score real quick. Uh, Patriots putting up some offense there, but not able to stop the Browns. Um, looks like five t touchdowns for Keith Hollister, uh, quarterback for the Browns. Um, and then a good day running for Devon Irwin, uh, 100 yards and two touchdowns. So very balanced for the Browns, and they probably scored defensively. That's going to be my guess. But yeah, they picked off Isaac Tracy three times. Yeah, so, yeah, Browns won that game. Uh, let's see, when was the next one? In week three, we had Packers at Patriots. And this was a wild game. Uh, it was a crazy shootout. Um, might have been one punt in this game. I don't think though. I don't think there was a punt in this game. Uh, a few interceptions for each team, but other than that, no stops. Uh, and New England won sixty-three to forty-nine. Uh, the rookie quarterback for the Packers threw a few interceptions. Probably shouldn't have been throwing. Uh, and that's about all I got to say about that game. Like I said, this is one of the highest scoring games we have ever had. Um, and then after that, I know there's at least one more. Uh, we had Chiefs and Patriots. Uh, oh, looks like this was an excellent game. And I don't know anything about it because this game is never on TV. 38-35 uh, New England victory over Kansas City. Uh, it's a really close game. Uh, hopefully it was well played. Hopefully there were no aliens. Uh, again, more on that. Uh, at the end of this franchise, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what was going on uh, with the aliens and, and the weird Chiefs and Patriots games. Uh, but this game was only played once, so that's good. That means there may not be any time travel shenanigans going on there. Uh, and then in Week 6, Panthers and Browns. Browns won 24-7. Um, I think it was it was a little closer than that for most of the game, uh, but the 
the Browns were the better team throughout the game, if I remember right. Uh, really suffocating defense, uh, causing problems for the Panthers. And I think that might be all the head-to-head user games we've got at this point. Pretty sure. Yeah, I should cover it. So uh, I don't remember if there are any left, but we all played each other all at the beginning of the year uh, and pretty much got all those done. Uh, So those are the game recaps. So since we're in week 14, there's there have been quite a few uh, development traits that have come through, but there are actually a few teams that still got guys that are just close to revealing. So I'm just going to wait on reporting on those. I'll do that in the next podcast and just probably hit all of them all at once. Um, And I also have some questions maybe to answer. Um, It wasn't an official podcast question, but somebody recently asked me, hey, doesn't the Tampa 2 force turnovers, the the Tampa 2 scheme? Um, And so that wasn't an official podcast question, but I thought I'd I'd talk about the Tampa 2 in depth uh, because that would be interesting, or at least it's interesting to me. Uh, But I'll I'll do that next time too. Uh, And if you have any other questions... Be sure to get them in, and any feedback, be sure to get it in uh, to the podcast. But I wanted to take a minute, and maybe nobody cares, so I'll try to keep it fairly quick, uh, but to talk about the real-life Chiefs, because uh, we have some Chiefs fans here and people that live in Kansas City that listen to this, and uh, I'm not really going to break down the Super Bowl, but I want to point out a few things. Um, for those that watched it at any rate. Um, One of the things that's fascinating to me about football is the, in every game there are, there are points that are, they're like pivot points, uh, that the game can just, just pivot off of those points. And it's always interesting to see what happens at those times. You never know where, when they're going to pop up. Um, what happens in those moments and uh, why some teams handle those moments better and once why some teams don't. And, and there were a few of them that stuck out to me in the Super Bowl. So, and, and I'm not remembering everything with perfect clarity, um, but I thought a, one of the big pivot points was, uh, this was some point in the second quarter, I'm pretty sure, uh, the Tyron Matthew interception, uh, they got erased by penalty. And that just is a killer uh, when you think you're going to get the ball and maybe have a chance to go score, and you also stop the other team's drive, and, and then it's taken away. Um, the penalties in this game, I, I didn't like all of them, obviously. I don't think they were all just bad calls. Uh, but you tend to, a, a lot of the penalties on the Chiefs were uh, defensive holding and pass interference and things like that. And, and they were all, almost all, all but one, I thought, were perfectly legitimate penalties. The thing is, most of the time in the postseason, and certainly this has been the case this year, um, if it's not just blatantly affecting the play, the officials just don't throw the flags. They just let the players play, 
And if it if it's something wild that has to be called, then they call it. And, and you'd even heard a lot of the you know the referees that they have on the broadcasts. A lot of them have said since uh, this game happened that uh, these penalties that were called, this isn't the way the sport was officiated all year. Uh, this was an outlier, um, and so that's a bit of an issue and it's really irritating and disappointing, especially when it happens in a postseason game that, uh, it seems like the standards change in one game. Um, but anyway, was it? Oh, so Tyron Matthew gets an interception off a tipped pass. Um, and the receiver was being held. It was within five yards and he was certainly being mugged. Um, but also the pass was tipped. Um, which is usually a case where the officials say, yeah, whatever happened in the secondary doesn't really matter uh, because that pass wasn't going to get there anyway. Um, and, and and holding, you know, pass interference, you can't call pass interference when a pass is tipped. Holding still can be called, so I understand that. Um, but yeah, it was a, a big crusher and... I believe the Patriots went on and got points on that drive later. I don't remember if it was the same drive, but but again, um, in the same quarter, in the second quarter, uh, the Chiefs line up offsides on a field goal. And instead of the Patriots picking up the field goal, uh, they get a first down the very next play. They throw a touchdown. And then, and then the last drive before the half, uh, the Chiefs are down 14-6, the Patriots get the ball back, and the Chiefs start calling timeouts, thinking they're going to get the ball back uh, from the Patriots and try to score again. you got to know who you're playing against. Uh, Tom Brady, somewhere around his own 20, has third and two. I, I'm not calling a timeout there uh, and letting him pick up that first down and then go on a drive, uh, but the Chiefs did, and then they get a couple of penalties, the worst of which I think was... Uh, on Tyron Matthew in the back of the end zone um, where Brady throws a pass that LeBron James would have needed a trampoline to catch that ball. Um, And somehow the officials don't deem it uncatchable. Um, But yeah, so that touchdown right before half is a giant pivot point in the game. And the Chiefs lost their composure in the second quarter uh, off of some of those pivot points. And that's one of the interesting things about football is when one of those plays happen, uh, you have to know how to respond to it. And and you don't necessarily know if that play was a big pivot point when it happens. Um, those penalties were, the erased interception was, um, but you have to come back and be composed and you got to make another play. Uh, you can't melt down. And sometimes, even if you come back with complete composure, it still costs you. Um, but that's just the nature of football. And then you look at the little bits of luck that go into football that you know always seem to happen. Is you know just the way the ball bounces. A snap goes over Brady's head at one point, and if it bounces differently, maybe the Chiefs get it. If it happens at a different point of the field. Uh, it could have meant an awful lot, but the Patriots were already in field goal range, and that fumble where they lost yards didn't even knock them out of field goal range, so it pretty much changed nothing. 
Um, whereas you compare that to the uh, Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl a number of years ago, where a snap goes over Peyton Manning's head, ends up in a safety. That has massive consequences. It was the same exact mistake, uh, but it had massive consequences for the Bron- uh, Broncos and pretty much no consequences for the Bucks. So to win a championship, sometimes you get, you almost always have to have some luck. The Chiefs had a little luck to get here. Uh, both of their playoff games, other teams were dropping passes. And that's that's little breaks that you get that help propel you to a championship or to a Super Bowl. And uh, in this game, none of those breaks for the Chiefs. And the Bucks played a just a really clean game, uh, solid all the way around. And you know if you play a Tom Brady team, uh, they're not going to be making a lot of mistakes, uh, particularly offensively. And, of course, they didn't. And the Chiefs made all the mistakes, mostly with the penalties. And, of course, uh, a few turnovers and their offensive line could not hold up, which was not surprising since – They've lost so many guys to injuries. And then they also dropped passes. Had a couple of passes bounce off people's faces. Um, that is an underrated mistake in football as far as how damaging it is to your team. Uh, if it happens, obviously, on third or fourth down, it means giving the ball back to the other team. And other times it might mean the difference, you know, you're second and 12 and you have a dropped pass. That might mean the difference between third and 12 and third and four. And those are really important plays. Uh, So I guess what I'm rambling about is um, the Chiefs made a lot of mistakes. And you can't do that if you want to win a championship. The Bucs made almost no mistakes. Football often comes down to, especially in the biggest games, who makes mistakes and who doesn't. Um, And once you kind of know that about football, it's a little less fun to watch sometimes. Because uh, you see the mistakes happening and you know which team is making them and which isn't. But it's very true. Um, I believe it was Chuck Knoll who said more games are lost than are won. Uh, and it's very true. Uh, the team that makes the fewest mistakes oftentimes wins. Um, and, and one other thing. I also think uh, Mahomes made some mistakes by just starting to scramble around and try to turn every play into backyard football. Uh, but I understand why he, he's trying to come back from a big deficit and he doesn't trust his offensive line. Um, but it did. It made it harder for them to move the ball, took all structure away from their offense, and uh, put them in some really long yardage situations. Uh, but anyway, I want to talk about a little bit about the Chiefs' future. Uh I've heard a lot of people kind of being sanguine about this loss and and saying, oh, we'll be back, we'll be back. And while I think Patrick Mahomes is very special and and there's a good chance they're back, I think you got to take advantage of the opportunities you get. And, And us as fans, we should just be enjoying that they went to two Super Bowls in a row. Uh, there have been a, a lot of teams over the years who have said we'll be back and never went back. A um, couple that come to mind, the Rams team that lost to the Steelers in, I think it was 1980, it was in the early 80s. Uh, they had a young quarterback and a lot of young players, and they said we'll be back and never got close again. Um, and then 
you think about Dan Marino uh, and those Dolphins teams. Now, I think the, a lot of those Dolphins teams were not managed very well, uh, which contributed to it. But Dan Marino is a guy that should have gone to a lot of Super Bowls. He should have won one at one point, and he never went back. Uh, Russell Wilson's Seahawks, early in his career, they got there. And that team looked poised to be a dynasty. Everybody was talking about them being a dynasty already. They won a Super Bowl. They went back the next year and they lost a Super Bowl. And then I haven't been back since. So I, I wouldn't really call that a dynasty. And, and they're struggling to try to get there again. Aaron Rodgers has only been to one. Um, my point being, hopefully it happens for the Chiefs. Hopefully they continue to build the team. They got a hit on draft picks. Um, because a lot of these teams that go to a, yeah, a handful of soup, <clears throat> a handful of Super Bowls in a short period of time, it happens because they had a good team at the right time while they got a good quarterback on his rookie contract, uh, which is exactly the situation the Chiefs are in. Uh, it's pretty much the situation the Seahawks were in with R- Russell Wilson. And Mahomes is going to start eating up a giant piece of the salary cap very soon and the Chiefs have a lot of money in a few guys with Kelsey, Hill, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew, and that's about it. Uh, That's probably half their salary cap, those guys right there. Um, So you got to take advantage of it when you have that situation and when the quarterback starts to make more of the money from your cap, your draft pick's got to hit so that you've got cheap young players that are playing well, and the Chiefs have had a hard time getting the young guys on the field uh, the last couple of years. So uh, I'm not... I I think the Chiefs should be back. I think Mahomes is that special. Um, But I'm not just sitting here being like, yeah, well, we're going to be back every single year, Uh, because that's very, very difficult to do. Uh, And like I said, they're going to have to... Uh, keep getting better with the team building because their best players right now will be old in three or four years. That's just how the NFL goes. Uh, and they've got to be able to keep uh, keep churning them out and keep replacing them. All right, enough of that. Uh, we will be back next time, probably at the end of our Madden season for development traits. We'll recap the postseason. And until then, enjoy Madden. Thank you.